Good morning. The last few weeks, six weeks actually, we have been covering wisdom, talking about wisdom called uncommon sense because it's uncommon. Wisdom is something that we don't find uh, being used by our leaders all the time or we wouldn't be in some of the, the hole that we're in right now, right, as a, as a nation. And so wisdom is something that is, I believe, sorely lacking in our world today. In the United States, in the culture today, we, we don't see very good decisions being made at the top. And what's at the top tends to flow down. Amen? And so because of that, what we want to do is make changes. And not changes on you know, better policies or better this or better, better decision-making using God's wisdom. Better decision-making relying on Him. Because man's wisdom in knowledge is not enough. Knowledge alone is not enough. We need God's wisdom. There's all kinds of knowledge in the world. We have, a whole, we have more knowledge today than we've ever had before. Knowledge is rapidly increasing. Every 18 to 24 months, knowledge duplicates. That's literally how fast and how rapid knowledge is growing. And not all this knowledge is, 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 is good because it's not doing us too much good in so many different areas. But in many areas, it's doing us a good, it's doing a good. But in many, it's not. And it's not sufficient in and of itself. Knowledge will only get you so far. We need wisdom. And so the scripture says that wisdom is the greatest asset that we can obtain in Proverbs 4, 7. It says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all by getting, get understanding. It's the principal thing. It's the thing we've got to get. Because we have God's wisdom. We'll be able to make decisions, walk in His will. It's so much easier to be able to live the life that God wants us to live. And it's easier for us to, to, to make decisions that are the right ones so that we can be blessed. And he said, well, teach, well, I'm not living just to be blessed. I am. Because <laughs> what's the opposite of blessing? It's cursing, right? So I'm not living for that. I'm living to be blessed. I want to be blessed by God. I'm living so that I can serve Him. And in doing so, when I serve Him, I'm blessed. But I can only serve Him properly. I can only serve Him successfully when I am tapping in to His wisdom. Not my own, His. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So with wisdom, it doesn't begin with the right mindset. It begins with the right heart set on the inside. So we've got to focus on the heart. We've got to look at our heart and see how, what's the condition of our heart because out of it flow the issues of life. And our heart, I mean, it means inner man, mind, will, you know, understanding, soul, our very being. And so the condition of our heart, whatever it's in, it's going to come out. And if, if our heart's not right, not, uh, you know, uh, wisdom's not coming out. But if our heart's right, wisdom will start to come out. And we talked about before, a few weeks ago, about our thoughts and how that we've got to guard our thoughts. And, and wise men think certain ways. They, have, they think with, a cert, with certain patterns. They, they think with certain principles in mind. And so if you missed any of these messages, you can go back on churchpluggedin.com and, and take a look at those. And then last week we began to talk about how that we've got to put 
a guard on our mouth as well. And Proverbs 16.23 says, From a wise mind comes wise speech. So if we're going to be wise, we have to learn how to manage our tongue. We've got to learn what to say, what not to say, and how to say what we say. Did you catch that? We've got to learn how to say what we say and to say it right. Because, and, and again, it all starts with the heart. And we've got to guard our heart and guard our, uh, guard our inside. Because whatever's in here is coming out here, right out of our mouth. It's coming out there. And so last week, we had three different facts about our tongue. And we talked about those and we broke those down. And this morning, I want to go over three more facts about our tongue and our words that we need to look at this morning. Now, this morning, I have a lot of scripture. I have over 40 verses. And that's, that's unusual. We don't usually have that many. But the word, I believe, will do the work this morning. So maybe less of my words and more of His words this morning. Is that okay this morning? Amen. So the first fact about our tongue, our words, is number one, words bring blessings or create curses. Words bring blessings or create curses. Now it's either on yourself, on you, or other people. But your words are either blessing or they're cursing. They're either positive or they're negative. Words can release people or bind people, encourage people or discourage people, heal or wound, relieve or burden, help or hurt, purify or poison, calm or inflame, inspire or deflate, challenge or choke. Words can, it's one or the other. We have all these different types of words that can come out. It's either blessing or it's creating curses. Proverbs 11.9 says, With his mouth... The godless man would destroy his neighbor. Proverbs 12.18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This word rash is, is thoughtless or flippant words. So when we're not you know, careful with what we say and we're rash and we're flippant and we're careless with our words, it, the Scripture says it's like, a, it's like a sword. It pierces. It goes to the inside. It can hurt. And we talked about last week how, you know, that little saying we used to have, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's one of the biggest lies ever. It's one of those defense mechanisms that we try to use that doesn't really work. Because words do hurt. They do pierce. And we know that from experience. And we also know it from the word that we just read. We know that the scripture talks about these words are powerful. And they can... Uh, they can really tear someone down or they really can build someone up. In Proverbs 15.4, it says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but for perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Now this perverseness is crooked dealing or deceptive. You know, there's all kinds of words and things that, that come around, and the intention of people. It's, you know, you, sometimes you find out later what they meant by something or why they said what they said. Because, and you find out it was deceptive. In Proverbs 18, verse 20 through 21, it says, From the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. It's either going to feel good in your stomach, or it's going to feel yucky, but you're going to eat it regardless. Your words fill your stomach. We will chew on it. We will eat on it. But if you notice there in that uh, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So it either brings blessings or it brings cursings. It either brings death or it brings life. 
I either tear down my children or I build them up. I either tear down my neighbor or my friend or I build them up. It's one or the other. My words are so important. And those that are wise understand the power of the words and they use that to help them make decisions and choices and they use that to build others up and to build themselves up so that they are successful in life. Because when we don't use our words and we're not careful and we don't put that guard on our mouth, we end up just spouting off and being careless so many times because our emotions then are ruling things. And your emotions, you can't rely on them as we talked before about in this series. We said that our emotions will get you messed up every single time. It's the principles in the Word and standing on the Word, knowing the Word, doing the Word that works. The emotions don't work. It's the Word that works. In Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. We want to give grace, which is the ability to do. We want to build others up. That's what that's talking about. They're giving grace to them, to those that hear what you're saying, building them up. The second point this morning, and this one we're going to spend a long time on, the most time on, because it's about discipline. Number two is to be wise, you must discipline your tongue. To be wise, you must discipline your tongue. So first, we know that words bring blessings or create curses. Next, to be wise, we've got to discipline our tongue. See, let me talk to you for a moment about personal responsibility. The very first thing, you know, being wise and being successful in life is to, number one, take responsibility. Always. Take responsibility for everything. Uh, you know, that's really hard sometimes because we want to blame others or blame a circumstance or do this or do that. I heard one uh, minister just, you know, this past week he was speaking and he said, you know, and this is something that's just, that just blows me away. And he said, if I'm angry with you, if I'm upset with you, if I'm all torn up at you and in unforgiveness and I'm bitter, that just means I, I don't love you. If I'm, just even, if I'm mad or upset or I'm angry, it just means I, I don't love you. And I thought, well, that's not always true. I've been mad at somebody. It didn't mean I didn't love them. And then I, saw, I started thinking about it. I kept thinking about it. And he said, 1 Corinthians 13. And I went, oh, okay. Because love suffers long. Love is patient. Love is kind. So if I'm angry with someone, am I patient? If I'm angry with someone, am I kind? Am I suffering long if I'm angry with someone? Now that doesn't mean that what they did wasn't right. They're still wrong. They're still an idiot. That's okay. God will deal with them. He thought it was funny at least. You know, so God will... It doesn't mean, you know, we're just... He gets off the hook. But what it is, is you deal with you. I deal with me. So if I'm angry or I'm, I'm upset with you, that just means I don't love you. That's, that's, that's really, that's heavy. That's heavy. And when, so when I think about that, I'm like, whoa, it's taking personal responsibility. Even when it's not your fault. That's success. It's success. And you can see, somebody, and we don't have time to keep going into that because we could be here for a while. But what is maturity? Maturity doesn't necessarily come with age. Maturity is what? The acceptance of responsibility. And so when you accept your responsibility to do the Word of God, when you accept your responsibility to love, 
It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It's all at that point, it's about you obeying God's Word and looking at what God's Word says. Is that good? Amen? So, when you take responsibility for every word, you know, you can see, uh, you know, when people start saying st stuff behind somebody else's back, you know what I mean, gossiping or whatever, you know, and they're talking bad about someone else. At that point, you have a responsibility. You take responsibility. Because you can, you can see those, the, that, that, that talk coming from a mile away. Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Hey, did you know this about... You know, you can see with those phrases, you can see it coming. So you have a responsibility at that moment just to cut that off right there. Right there. You don't have to. It's not about them. It's about you. You don't have to ingest that. You don't have to listen to that. You don't have to hear that. What are you doing? You're guarding your heart so you're not listening to those words and you're not going to regurgitate something and tear somebody else down. And you're not listening to somebody else because gossip's negative. It feeds your own ego. Because, you know, you have this information about someone else and it's like, man, you've got to share it. And then when you share it, you feel better, right? So it's at that point, it's, it's, it's just feeding ego. It's not feeding your spirit. And so it's so important what we say and how we say it. Proverbs 10.18 says, Whoever utters slander is a fool. Proverbs 11.13 says, He who goes about as a talebearer, which is gossip, gossiper, reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. So even if we do find out something about it, we, we don't talk about it. We don't say it, that so-and-so's this and that. In Proverbs 16, 28, it says, A perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Proverbs 20, 19 says, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a gossip. That's heavy right there. Proverbs 26, 20, Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Proverbs 26, 22, The words of a talebearer as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. So gossip just tears down. So we have, a, we have a responsibility to discipline ourselves not to gossip and also not to listen to gossip. Not to, we have to discipline ourselves to always be speaking blessings, to listen to blessings, not receive cursings. Three deceptive and flattering... Oh, I'm sorry. Start over right there. I want to go over before we get, get too far, nine types of speech that we discipline ourselves to avoid. Nine types of speech. And this is part of this second point of discipline, where we're going to discipline ourselves and how we talk and how we speak. So there's nine of them. So if you're taking notes, you can jot this, jot this down. I'll get it on the website and within a couple of days. I'm going to fix this all up, put it on there, make it shortened, because I have bunches of pages of notes. And I'm going to get it down for you so you can have these points you can look at it. Because see, you know, church, you can look at this and you say, oh man, this is just so much information or it's, or it's so much and it's so hard. And I didn't know you had to do all this just to be wise. This is why it's so important to know the Word and just ingest the Word and the Word goes in and the Word will do the work. See, these, these scriptures and Proverbs, well, they talk about, you know, in the church we've talked about for years and years, you know, decades, talked about reading the Proverbs a day. There's so much wisdom there. There's so many things. And you learn how to speak. You learn how to think. You learn how to talk. You learn all these things. And then you're successful. 
And we just and it's not super hard. We just have to, you know, discipline ourselves and look at it and ingest it and grab a hold of the word and take it and use it and apply it. When we apply the word, I'm going to give you a guarantee, 100% guarantee, like the salesman on TV selling the sham wow towel, okay? 100% guarantee it's going to work. You know, the sham wow works. The little nut cruncher, it works. 100% guaranteed or your money. Man, you guys this morning, or your money. The Word this morning, it works. The Word in your life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it works. If you apply it, I guarantee it will work 100% or your money. Just like the infomercial, right? Except it's actually true. <laughs> you know those as seen on TV products, do they really work? Can that guy really get up there and guarantee that it's going to last a lifetime? No, not really. But the Word of God will last you a lifetime. And if you take this word and you look at these things and you apply it and you actually apply it in your life, you will be wise. You will be. It's a guarantee. And you may not see it just all like just all at once right at first, but as you get going and as you begin to apply these things and just one thing at a time, just layers and layers and layers will begin to come off the freedom that you will experience, the liberty that you will experience. By using the Word of God and you'll begin to see results, you'll be blessed. So the first type of speech that we want to discipline ourselves to avoid, number one, is excessive words. Excessive words. In other words, don't be a blabbermouth. Excessive words is just talking too much. Just talking too much. Proverbs 10.14 says, Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. Proverbs 10.19 when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. 17.28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. One person says, At least he seems intelligent. When he's quiet, right? Proverbs 21.23 You didn't know that Proverbs can, you know, had humor in it, did you? It's good stuff. Proverbs 21, 23, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. You know, have you ever been those moments where you said to yourself, why did I say that? It's like the words came out. Again, you're going with your emotions instead of what the Word of God says to say, instead of being kind or this or that. And you said something hateful and it just came out and you were like trying to get it to stuff it back in. Like, wait, I can't believe I said that. But it's too late, right? It's already out, it's gone, it's already done the deed, and, 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 and you can't get it back, you can't stuff in it. All you can do is, I am so sorry, will you forgive me? You know, some of you men know what I'm talking about, you've been comfortable with that couch as your wife sent you down there, you know. Maybe that was just me, maybe you guys don't sleep on, I'm just kidding, I don't either, I don't either. Why? Because I watch what I say. I'm watching what I say. And when I, when I don't, it's bad. When I do, it's good. Praise God, most of the time it's good. And if you're at the place in your life where it's not always good and it's more bad than good, this message is definitely for you. This is definitely for you. Put a watch on your tongue. Put a guard on those emotions. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. This is, this, is apply, this is life, the life that we live. 
why are there so many divorces in America? I'm not talking about just Christian or non-Christian. Because they don't do the Word. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You can say, I'm a Christian, I love God, I believe in God. But you can have trouble with your mate. And you can get a divorce if you don't do the Word. If you do the Word, you stay together. <laughs> it's 100% guaranteed or your money... 100%. 100%. The second thing that we want to discipline ourselves to avoid is gossip and slanderous words. And we talked about that for a minute. A gossip, a minute ago. A gossip is, uh, is anytime you're telling tales about people. You know, did you hear about this? Did you know what I heard? You know, all those kind of things. The Bible refers to this as tale-bearing. So we want to keep that in mind. In Proverbs 16 uh, 28, a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. We read these earlier, but Proverbs 26, 20, I'm just going to read a couple. There's so many scriptures, i got so many notes, so we're just going to take a look at a couple of these. Proverbs 26, 20, and if it doesn't get on the screen, write it down or get online, on, you'll grab the notes. 26, 20, fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Isn't that something? Fire goes out without wood. Well, a quarrel will disappear when gossip stops. This is the Word of God. This is what the Word says. And when we latch onto it and we apply these principles, it does work. Proverbs 26, 22, The words of a talebearer are, are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Now the third thing that we want to guard against, discipline ourselves, guard our tongue, is deceptive and flattering words. Deceptive and flattering words. Deception is just straight up lying. How many, just by a show of hand, you've been deceived before by someone? Just that few, oh yeah, come on now. I, we all have, right? I know I have, even just recently. Deception is lying. I've been deceived. It's distorting the truth. Deception's going the opposite of the truth. And so when you're being deceptive, you're going the opposite of God, because why? Because God is truth. And see, sometimes we don't think of it in those terms when we're doing what we're doing, or we're manipulating a situation, or what we're doing, or, we, or the ends justify the means. We've locked into a humanistic way of thinking instead of God's way of thinking, a, a mindset of wisdom, and we justify it and we go, well, I've got to do this because of this. You know, it's okay just this once because. Those are those phrases it doesn't know. No, we're going opposite of God. And flattery, flattery is one expression of deception because flattery is insincere praise used in a manipulative way to get something from someone. It's like you're buttering them up, you know? Have you ever buttered someone up to get something that you wanted? You flatter, use flattery. I do it all the time. My wife, man, she looks good, doesn't she? Got church. Well, don't look too hard, just me. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 17. I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. No, I'm just kidding. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to Him. Seventeen, haughty eyes, a lying tongue. These are the things that the Lord hates. And hands that shed innocent blood. Proverbs 12, 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. 2019 says, He that goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. 21, 6 Notice it says flatters with his lips. Flattery. It'll get you nowhere. 21.6 The getting of the treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. 
See, we may at some point use flattery and get something that we temporarily desire, but it doesn't taste good in our belly after we've used those words. How many know what I'm talking about? Where you lay down at night and you felt real guilty about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that, that doesn't taste good. Those words don't taste good. So we don't want to flatter. We don't want to use deceptive. 26.28 says, A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 29.5, A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. That's a trap. Spreading a trap. The fourth thing that we want to discipline our tongue not to speak is angry, contentious, divisive words. This includes sowing discord, being argumentative, generating strife, blowing off anger. How many know people that just, man, they just love to just stir things up, just to cause trouble, just to get an argument going? It's like they thrive off of it or something. You know, have you ever met one of those kind of people? They just, they can't help themselves. It's like they, they've just got to get in there and be contentious. You know, God doesn't want us to live that way. Contentious means you're not content. Content people are not contentious. Proverbs 6.19 says, A false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. Proverbs 10.11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. 18.6 says, A fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes. In other words, argument. That's what the strokes, you know, one to argue. That's what a fool does. Just get in there just for the sake of it. They like it. They just like drama. Proverbs 20 verse 3, It's an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. 26.21, As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And put it away. We've got to discipline ourselves not to speak angry, contentious, divisive words. Number five, poisonous and destructive words. Words that curse and contaminate. Words that envenomate. And what does that mean, this word envenomate? When a snake gets a hold of you and puts his venom inside of you, that's envenomation. It's envenomating you with that poison. It's, a, it's killing you. Poisonous, destructive words. We said earlier that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words have power. We talked last week and briefly mentioned about you know, bullying, and it's a, it's a big problem in our nation today. We've got children who are using these, you know, envenomating others, you know, poisonous words and slandering others and, and talking so bad about others that they feel you know, just so torn down, and it's like a hopeless situation for them, and they're never going to get out, and they've been so ridiculed and made fun of that they're actually killing themselves. It's horrible, horrible. Second leading cause of death in teenagers next to car accidents, suicide. The, major, the vast majority of those are from being torn down all their life, being in bad situations at home, being in bad situations in schools. Psalms 140 verse 3 says, They sharpen their tongues as a serpent. Poison of a viper is under their lips. Matthew 5.22 says, But I say unto you that whosoever, and this is Jesus talking, is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now what does this word raka mean? It means this, a senseless, empty-headed man. In other words, idiot, stupid. It's name-calling. It's name-calling. Some of us didn't even know, some of you probably didn't even know that, that there's an anti-bullying scripture. This is it. 
right here that Jesus himself talked about and says, don't do that. You're in danger of hellfire when we make fun of others. The Sermon on the Mount, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. In the first part uh, of chapter 5 there, it talks about, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Many pride themselves on being a troublemaker, but we need to be peacemakers. Amen? The church has got to rise and be a peacemaker and diffuse these situations that we see in our world today. I, I just want to encourage you. We don't have time to go through, you know, the Beatitudes. That's what it's called, you know, those first few there of chapter 5. But, you know, this week, take a look at uh, Matthew 5. Read over those. Read over the whole Sermon on the Mount, five, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Take a look at those. Excellent stuff in there. You know, it's like, you know, this whole, uh, you know, peacemaker thing. It's like uh, we have, we walk around, it's like we have two buckets. Like we have a bucket of water, and we got a bucket of gas. You know, petroleum, you know, whatever. You know, we got something flammable liquid in one bucket. We've got water in another. What I'm going to say is that blessed, blessed are the water bucket people. The people that take that water bucket and just diffuse those situations rather than just add to and throw the gas on and inflame it even more and make it even worse. Blessed are the water bucket throwers. So throw a bucket of water at something this week. Okay, something. Some angry stuff that goes on. Just soak that with the water of the Word, with something kind. Just, and just visualize it that you just soaked them with water, okay? Don't soak them with gas. Don't throw it and make it worse. Number six, proud words. This is tooting your own horn. You know, it's all about me. Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. The next one is hasty words. We've got to discipline ourselves to not have words that are hasty. Making rash commitments that haven't been properly considered. And we haven't thought about it. That's why before you go to that car dealership, you better think it through what you're going to do before you get there. And then after he tries to say, step away from him and think about it before you make a commitment. And it's just too late. And words jump out of your mouth. Those words that we just want to grab back and stick back in, but we can't. Proverbs 20 verse 25 says, Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. Count it before you say it. Ecclesiastes 5.2, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven and thou upon the earth. Therefore let thy words be few. This next thing is obscene or profane words. We need to discipline ourselves not to speak obscene or profane words. Obscene means words that are designed to incite lust, designed to incite depravity. You know, it's gutter talk, basically. Profanity means language that is based as irrelevant, irreverent, unholy, or defiled. You know, and as a culture, you know, you can see over the last several decades, we've just declined more and more in the way we talk and how we communicate. And, you know, you can measure this by the TV set. It's real easy to see. You know, what was said on TV now is not what was said, you know, 30, 40 years ago. There's just, it would, there would have been no way. You know, what was allowed, you know, what's even allowed in commercials. I'm like, man, it's a commercial. And we still have to hear this profanity in this commercial. I'm watching a basketball game. And my son is sitting there, and the commercial, I can't watch the commercial. <laughs> it's irritating. It's irritating. But, you know, I can't change Hollywood, but I can change me. I can't change, you know... Uh, go over there and make all the movies and all the things and the things they're putting on TV. I can't change all that, but I can change me. I can change my attitude toward, towards it. You know, 
you may say, you know, why does it matter? Proverbs 10.11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The mouth of, of the righteous is a fountain of life. And honestly, ask yourself, you know, if you're righteous, you know, and something, uh, an obscene or profane words come out of your mouth, is that a fountain of life? You know, I, I don't know. You know, see, I look at these, I look at these scriptures, and I say, you know, I just can't see room for it. I've heard Christians justify it. I've heard Christians talk about it's okay. I've heard ministers talk about it. I've heard ministers from the pulpit use profanity. I don't get it. I don't get it. Because as a culture, if you look at the culture, and I'm going to get on a soapbox just for a minute. Can I get on a soapbox just for a moment? Just for a minute, okay? And then I'll jump back off, all right? The culture, Christian or non-Christian, sees profanity as a negative. And so when a Christian's uttering a profanity, what does he think about you? What does he think about me? See, that's how I look at it. It's like we have websites out there for movies that are run by non-Christian, non-Christian you know, just, just so you can see... If, you're, if it's okay enough for your family to go see it. And they break down the little categories of, you know, nudity and things and, and sex and all that and violence. And then they, it, profanity is sitting there. And these words that we have that many say is okay and it's all right. But the culture as a whole says it's not. And we blow our testimony when it comes out of our mouth. I'm just saying. I'm getting back off the soapbox now. All right. So if obscene and profane words are coming out of our mouth, is that righteous? Is it bringing life? Proverbs 10, 31, 32 says, The mouth of the righteous... Thank you, by the way, for letting me get on that soapbox. I appreciate that. Okay. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. Think about it. Perverse. What do we say profane words were? Obscene words. It's perverse. That's actually the definition. That's Webster. Dictionary. You know, it's the Bible and, and Webster here. Right, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but to that which is, the, uh, which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now let's break this down, because I've heard this scripture, misdone, taken out of context. Oh, that's not what this means? That's not what that means? All right, well, I looked it up. Corrupt means rotten or putrefied. Rotten or putrefied. That's the Greek. Communication is a word uttered by a living voice embodying a conception or idea. So in other words, don't utter rotten or putrefied ideas, concepts or ideas. I think this scripture embodies and talks about all communication that's coming out of your mouth, including obscenities or profanities. We'll move on. Number nine, blasphemous words. Using God's name in vain. Using God's name is in a way, in a way that is not holy and honorable to Him. And it, you know, in our culture, again, you never hear anybody saying, oh, man, when they stub their foot, oh, Buddha. You know, they just don't do it. It just doesn't work. It doesn't happen. Why do they say our God? Because our God is the one only true living ultimate God. Amen? It's true. Proverbs 9, verse 12. If you are wise... You are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Exodus 20, verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. So these are nine things that we've got to discipline ourselves. Discipline ourselves not to speak. The third 
Last point. This is really fast. To be wise, you must discipline your ears. So we discipline our tongue. We've also got to discipline our ears. Why? Because we said what comes in goes out. And this is what we use for what's coming in. We use our ears. We have to be careful what we're listening to. We've got to be careful, you know, the types of, of music we pump in and movies and all these things. I don't care, you know, secular music and Christian music. I, I, who cares about that? What it is, what is that person saying? What kind of music is that? Whether it's Christian or non-Christian. I watch non-Christian movies, but what's in that movie? What's this being said? What's being said to me? What's being communicated to me? What's the ideas behind that movie being done? I love the good guys versus bad guy movies, and I like it when the bad guy loses. I don't like the movies where the bad guy wins. Why? Because uh, good guys win. Good guys are supposed to win. God's a good guy, and he's going to win. We're going to win in the end. Amen? Proverbs 17.4, an evildoer listens to wicked lips. Guard your ears as carefully as you guard your mouth, church. Psalms 19.14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's one I memorized at a young age and have always remembered because I've got to guard what's coming out and I've got to guard the heart. I've got to guard me. I've got to guard that. Put the word in. The more words you can put in. What's on, if we're balancing things on a scale, how much word's going in, how much of the other's going in. The thoughts and the, and the things. Let's all stand to our feet. We're right here at quick quitting time, but... Remember these three things. We discipline our, or that words bring blessing or create curses. We've got to discipline our tongue. We've got to discipline our ears. We've got to discipline it all. We've got to guard what we say and guard what goes in. When we do that, we're wise. We're walking in wisdom. We're using God's wisdom in the choices we make, in the decisions we make, in the life that we live is a whole lot better. The life situations that we find ourselves in, when we do the word and apply the word every time, life situations get a whole lot better. Whatever you're experiencing in life right now for you, in your relationships, in, in, your, in your job, just wherever it is, when we follow this, it'll begin to change for the better. How many could use just a little bit of change for the better? Amen. All right, well, let's pray. Let's agree together here this morning, and let's pray. Father God, this morning, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you're showing us and you're speaking to us that we need wisdom, that knowledge alone is not enough. And Father, I thank you that as we dig into your word, as we're digging into these principles and these truths, I thank you that it goes down into our heart, Lord. So that your word is in our heart. That our, your word is what's coming out. The principles and the, and the kind words that we, uh, and the love that, that you speak of in your word will come out. And, not, and blessings will just be coming out and not cursings. And Father, forgive us where we've spoken words that we shouldn't have. Even this past week, even yesterday, maybe even this morning. Father, forgive us for words that weren't pleasing to you. Father, I think that we'd be able to discipline ourselves, put a guard on our lips, put a guard on our heart, those things that come in, so that what comes out would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for doing the work. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? God is good. Amen. Amen.